At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All right, welcome to the Author Brand Show. The guest we have on today needs no introduction, so it's going to be a brief one because his, his resume is too long to reiterate. But I'll tell you this: once you've uh, once you meet the guy, and once you have even glimpsed at any of his dozens of books he's written, many of them New York Times bestsellers, you'll come away as I do, as with our tagline here: is you're going to want to take notes. So, without further ado, uh, let me introduce my friend John David Mann. John, how are you today? I'm excellent. How are you, Doug? Oh my gosh! Just one after the other. After you're like a you know you're like the like a understated John Grisham here or a, a <laughs> Stephen King or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm an evil dwarf living in the basement of some you're castle, churning dwarf. out. Well, your books are much more interesting than than, <laughs> than in my opinion, of course. That's just that's just me. Rumple so, what I want to cover today with you, if you if you have a few minutes, which you do, because you agreed to be on our podcast is a couple of things. Our readers and our listeners and viewers all want to understand how you are able to weave such compelling prose, right? And I'm going to ask some very pointed questions about that. How do you how do you tell a good story? And we talked briefly about that last time we were together. And then the other thing, which is really vital to every author, is how do I get the message out there? How do I actually promote this thing where I'm moving enough books to make a living out of it or let alone recoup my investment? So those are two big things I want to cover. Of course, you're willing to chime in on anything you want to talk about because I have I actually have no format on the show, but I like that. that. It's stuff that I'm interested in. So as I'm reading, I read I completely finished Steel Fear, your your fiction novel, which you said there, pick hold it up there because I have the audio only. There we go. Here we go. Steel there Fear. There go. Steel Fear. Great, great. And then we have the new one, Cold Fear. Right? There we and go. equally, Twins. yeah, very great. Same character thing. We got the whole series working here, Mr. James Bond with the troubled it. soul, the troubled soul fin. Correct. Um, so number one, folks, if you have any interest in being a better author, writer, nonfiction, fiction does not matter. Read these books because as you read them, you're like me, who like you're picking apart like the pacing and the style he puts in there to make you want to turn that page. And that's the thing that really captivates me is how you put words together that makes me want to go, oh, my gosh, I know this is like a hook or breadcrumb, but I don't care. I want to know what's going to happen. You know, I don't, I don't skip ahead at the end because there's it's so deep. But the first question I have for you is this. When I read phrases like um, the buildings looked like they were, you know, stamped under LSD, describing this, describing these, <laughs> these this storefront here in Iceland. Yeah. Does that come out of your brain or you have to look up like analogies or things like that? How, how does that, where does that come from? Oh, that's, that's a really interesting question because it's, yeah. it is a combination of things. I mean, to me, and you know, you started out saying, talk about how does he write this prose? How, writers want to know how to write prose. Yeah. To me, there's kind of two steps or two stages in the process. Mm. And one of them is just generating the idea. Actually, maybe I should say there's three stages in the process because part of it is just I read a bunch. I do a bunch of research. For example, yeah. you're talking about Iceland. You're talking about Reykjavik. I'm going to get to that in a second. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But so it, talking about the, the whatever it is, the scene that I'm describing, um, I am not a very visual person. I don't remember things that I see. My wife says, wasn't that great what we saw, saw down the street? Oh. And I'm like, what do we see? I don't, I don't remember what we saw. So I have to, I can't visualize things well in my head as a okay. natural capability. It's not one of right. my natural faculties. I'm auditory. So 
for me to describe a scene, yeah. it's work. I have to work to do, I have to build it in my head, like building a stage set. So part of it is like, if I'm describing a given scene, whether it's an aircraft carrier or it's a, right. it's a town in America or it's Reykjavik, I go like look at pictures of it. I go read about it. I go do research. So I just uh -huh. get input. Okay. Then when I'm going to actually do some writing, I'll sort of come up with ideas and get them on the page in rough draft form. Right. When I later go back to take this loose jumble that's like a draft of a chapter or a draft mm -hmm. of a passage, where I, I know what I'm trying to say in there and I know that it could be really crisp and sharp, but it's yeah. not yet. It's floppy uh -huh. and loose and goose. Then I, I work it, I work it, I work it. Okay. So I'll say, now, what is a better word for that? What is a better way of saying that? And sometimes, yeah. like you said, I actually do go look up metaphors or analogies. I I'll have say, like, to, because yeah, all of mine are so trite, you know? Like, I'll give you an example. I, I was trying to say, um, actually, I can't think of the example I was going to give you right now. But right. Here, co common cliches, like, you know, is it sh she was sharp as a tack or yeah, you know, it right? was called yeah. a, I'll, I'll put that down and then I'll go look at it and say, Shh, that's a cliche. So I'll think about what's another way of saying that. Like yep. there's a there's a character in, in Call of Fear who, who's, uh, he says, you know, this is close, but what's the expression? Um, close only counts in horseshoes. And hand grenades. And hand grenades. Yeah, yeah and I don't want to say that. I yeah. said, so So I said, close isn't, isn't I thought about it. And then I think I ended up saying close isn't good enough in hang gliding and homicides. And, you know, it's just a throwaway line. And I'm sure yeah. people will read it and they'll, it'll stick in their head or it won't, whatever. But I spent like wow. half an hour on that trying to think, well, how can I say? Okay, good. Yeah. I feel so much better because I'm reading this going, I'm like trying to take notes. That's a really good uh, metaphor, right? Because I, I I try to come with like something that's rare on something I wrote the other day. I'm like, what's rare? You know, I'm like, you know, as you know, different things are so cre cliche and try to can't right. stand those. Right. And I found one. I probably ripped it off of somebody else. It was um, is about as popular as a butcher in India or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Those <laughs> are know, fun. Something fun and and trying not to here's, be, trying here's to be the, offensive. But here's the passage you're thinking about. I think yeah. um, it was an eerie mix of odd and new, a mashup of Heidelberg or Prague or some other quaint European burg with a futuristic yeah. scene out of Final Fantasy. Rows of wooden corrugated iron houses painted brightly painted in pastels and primary colors, a medieval village on an LSD trip. That pretty much actually just rolled out of my head. Boom. Probably wow. with a word or two change. So sometimes it just kind of, when, when you got the thing visualized enough and you, when you built yeah. it up enough, it just kind of rolls. Other times I have to go and I have to labor the point and think about what's a better word than this or better so phrase what, than that. What you're saying is that you have experience with LSD then really to understand. <laughs> and medieval villages, yes. Very brilliant. Okay, so that's that's interesting. That's that's good to know that sometimes it rolls out. Sometimes you gotta go research it, and uh, that makes me feel better because I'm reading this stuff. Going, it just it's so colorful. It's as if the movie option is even necessary. Right, joking. right, joking. That's the that's the plan. Um, I know. So the um the other question on the on the content is, oh my god, have you been to Iceland? Oh my gosh. Nope. So, nope. folks, um, when you read this book, and you will read Cold Fear, um, he's got the dialect, the attitude, the energy, the Viking reference, the geography, the the tectonic plates. He's got everything imaginable about this country. You feel like you are there. I mean, I can't imagine you writing this book and getting the, the language properly done. I mean, how did that happen? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. You do this for a novel. You it, I've, actually, I do it too to a far lesser extent for a parable, like the Go Giver yeah, or, you know, right. or, or Latte Factor, whatever. Because um, in those in the parables, there's very little detail. It's only right. dabs of color here and there. But I, I do research those dabs of color. But for a novel, you know, you want to make it so full of detail. Yeah. Um, so you know, part of my part of the, the the characteristic of the Finn series that I'm working on. First book, Steel Fear, is set on an aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. One of the most alien, bizarre environments that you or I will, you could ever imagine. Right. Yeah. Most people have no idea what it's like. And so my job was to describe it so accurately that a person who's a, a Navy uh, personnel who's been on a ship will go, yeah, he's got that right. Yeah. And someone like you or I, who's never been on it. I don't know if you have or not. I don't remember. Just um, on the tour uh, here in Charleston, they've got there you the, go. The tour do it, you know. Yeah. So somebody like thing. someone normal like us yeah. will, look, will look at it and say, God, I'm there. I feel like I, I get mm -hmm. it. I get what it's like. So same thing with um, same thing with with Iceland. Yeah. I needed to research it like crazy. Yeah. And one of the things I did was I found the premier Icelandic author, fiction author, oh. um, is a guy who writes a series of, of crime novels that uh -huh. I've just started to read purely for background. I fell in love with him. Guy's name is Arnold Indridison, and he he writes these novels about this this kind of somber, depressed detective, Erlander. Uh, yeah. And I read the whole series. I fell in love with these books. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just sucked up, absorbed sort of Icelandic culture and, and, and ethos and spirit from him. And I got, I through a friend of a friend of a friend, I got hold of somebody who was willing to be my Icelandic consultant. And yeah. she and I pen palled back and forth. Like I did a ton of research so I could capture it. But that to me is part of the joy of, uh, you know, you know, I have a friend, Dan Burris. I don't know if you know Dan Burris or not. So Dan is, is, a, is a phenomenal public speaker. Um, he is a futurist. He consults to corporations and governments and all kinds of things. Okay. And one of, the, one of his, his toolkits is he'll go give a talk to whatever industry. He'll mm -hmm. give a talk to plumbers. He'll go give a talk yep. to NASA scientists, whatever. And he talks about his principles of future forecasting completely in their language. Like he he'll talk about the problems that plumbers face or the problems that NASA yep. scientists face. He does the research ahead of time. So when he walks in and starts talking, they're like, this guy is talking to us. Our guy, yeah. That's our job as a, as a public speaker. That's my mm -hmm. job as a novelist. Learn my environment. Yeah. Um, so it's part of the part of the fun for me of the Finn books is take a weird alien environment, bring it to life. Yeah. It, it was it was uh, it was as though you were there. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. I haven't been to Iceland, but I have. We had a foreign exchange student live with us from Iceland, so I know, you know, probably one percent more than the average person, but not yes. that much more. Um, amazing. Again, when I think about the research involved with everything, plus the writing skill and editing, how long does it take you to write a novel like this? So the first one, Steel Fear, I was yeah. not only writing it, but also kind of learning how to write a novel. Uh, it took me, I'd say, two years. To, okay. to put that together right. cold fear second one a year yeah. because the learning curve I, I had a learning curve behind me already so and now i'm right now i'm working on book three which you won't see till next summer and right. i've got like nine months to write that one so it's getting shorter but it takes i think it takes a year or close to a year to to let the story settle in and yeah. i don't write quickly or let me say that differently when i'm in this five the later stages I write like like a demon, like like a like a rocket ship. But in the yeah. early stages, the story conceiving yeah. process, I am slow as a I'm going to say snail. If I were going to write that in a book, I would find a different way of saying it. Metaphor. <laughs> slow as a as a as a government grant application, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. So that's 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 very um interesting. 
uh because i'm thinking about all the research you have to do and also yeah it takes time yeah and in your case you know you're blessed fortunate whatever because you don't have to have another job <laughs> this is your job as a as a writer right i mean you don't my job you know work something else so but that, people who are are yeah. you know have to have to you know put the lights on with somebody else while they're building their writing career yeah. it could take them longer it could take them a couple of years to do this part-time easily uh, so two things to say to that one is that um even though this is what i do mm -hmm. while i was in the middle of writing cold fear i, I yeah. wrote two two other books while i was in the middle of writing you know you know wow. go give her marriage and then i wrote a book about right. writing yeah. and i wrote another right. parable which isn't going to be published till next year so mm -hmm. you know i while i'm working on the novel i'll take a break for yeah. two three four weeks okay. and take my mind off it work on some other project um, and meanwhile, the novel is kind of fermenting in the in the in the backgrounds sure. of the brain, and I, I switch gears like that, and I find that that's it is like going to my day job. In fact, it is going to my day job. Um, you know, one of the great challenges of steel of writing Steel Fear was we had yeah. no income to write Steel Fear, so I had to have other stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. But the second thing, the second thing to say is that um, I forgot what the second thing was, so we'll come back to it. Come back to it. Do you didn't get an advance from your publisher on Steel Fear? That was a Steel Fear, no, Steel Fear, we didn't have a publisher. Steel Fear, we wrote totally on spec. Wow. So Brandon and I wrote the book. We had to write the book, perfect it, uh, you know, hone it down under our agent's guidance from 150,000 yeah. words to 100,000. You know, it took two years in total to get that done mm -hmm. without seeing a penny, you know, completely wow. in the red on that. There was like an investment in, in building a company where you have, yeah. you know, your, yeah. your pockets are the investment. You have no investors and you have no income that's what steel fear was when we finally sold it to a publisher after we'd written it then yes we got an advance nice um, okay so that's a really good model for people to remember yeah so forgive me for saying you weren't a full-time you had another your day job was writing your parables and other that's, yes other things you do while you worked on your work on your novel on my on my sweetheart yes on my, on my baby project yeah you're wow okay good to know so that brings you to the, the big question a lot of authors need help with is man how do you how do you make money is this? How, how do you promote this thing? How do you market it? As a, so much to say here, we could make a whole, yes. you know, theory, but give me, give me some pointers. Um, um, could you always, have you always worked with a publisher? Mostly, mostly, almost, right? almost always, almost, but even still, they still require you to do a lot of your own marketing stuff. So just give us some overviews on, on that process and what's the, Best practices might be. It is a truism to say it's hard to make money as a writer. It's even more of a truism to say you don't make money as a writer. I don't believe that the, that, that latter is true, but I understand why people say it. It yeah. is tough to do. It is tough to generate an income purely as a writer, particularly if a writer of published books. A, a um, let's just preface that as a fiction writer. Yes. It, it's insanely difficult. Yes. Nonfiction yes, yes. people can make money with their book if they only sell a thousand copies. They can consult on it and do very well. You can use it as as a part yeah. of a larger business plan. Right. Exactly, part of a larger strategy. Um, for a fiction author, your larger strategy is going book tours that don't pay you a penny. In fact, you pay out. So, yeah, <laughs> the right. book has got. So, one thing that people who aren't published authors really, really need to understand, mm -hmm. which is, your publisher is not going to sell the book for you. Your publisher is not going to market the book for you. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. Um, you will find situations where the publisher will do some marketing for you. And that's wonderful. Um, yeah. Publisher, our publisher is Bantam and Bantam oh, yeah. does, does a fantastic job putting together. Uh, we got a great trailer, which I'm going to be launching on Twitter later Ooh, today. Good, good, um, good. It's like a Hollywood quality tw uh, trailer. Nice. It's awesome. They're, you know, they get certain appearances for us on, on podcasts and videos and interviews and this and that and that. None of it amounts to a whole lot, even in the best of circumstances. It's mostly on you. 
It's yeah. whether you're self-published or you're, or you're, you're you know, uh, publisher published. Mm -hmm. It's mostly on you. So okay. how do you market? How do you market the book? Yeah. Um, there's two kinds so, of people. So go back to Steel Fear because that was, yes. was on a spec, right? That was the first one. Correct. And okay, here and the publisher picked up right away or you still have to sell it? Was that Bantam also? Yes. We okay. once once the book, once the agent gave her Alexa Hente nod and judged it to be ready for 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 uh, shopping. Right. Um, we took it out to a handful of publishers and several mm -hmm. of them said, hmm, we're interested. And one of them said, we want this. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and the, the, the way that we knew, the way that I knew this was the right publishers, we got on a phone call with every one of the publishers who was interested. We got right. in a phone call with Bandom and the, the, uh, the editor in chief of the, of the company was on the phone saying, is this the brilliant John David Mann? Oh, and nice. I, oh I like these people. Yeah. <laughs> Stroke my ego. We're going yeah, to get along great. Yeah, well, they like the book. You know, when they like the book, it's, it means something. And by the way, I, you don't always, if you have multiple publishers bidding on a book, you don't necessarily always go with the publisher who gives you the highest number. That's right. You go with a publisher who has the greatest passion for the book. This matters. It's not a spirit, just a spiritual thing. It's a commercial thing. You want mm -hmm. the publisher who has the has the, the most outspoken, obvious, discernible passion for your book because they are going to turn around and they're going to infuse that passion into the into the marketing team and the sales team and the distribution yeah. team. It's going to translate to Barnes and Noble managers. It's going to translate out to airport wow. bookstores if they go there. They're going to put the word out to the publishing industry in a way that helps lay a foundation for the book. So one thing, for example, a publisher will do is it'll try to sell your book to publishers weekly, to, uh, uh, you know, library journal, to Kirkus reviews, to the, to the various journals that do mm -hmm. little in, in industry reviews of your books. So if you go on Amazon, you look at a book and you see it has Kirkus reviews says this publishers weekly says that that's meaningful to booksellers even mm -hmm. more than to, than to retail buyers. So they wow. do help you give, give a leg up. Yeah. Um, even that said, yeah. it's mostly up to you. You have to build, you have to build your readership, build your right. readership like you build an audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how um, do you do that? <laughs> yeah. That's the next question. Now you've been around for, you know, more, more than a couple of years. Um, and this is not your first rodeo. So if a person is starting out, you can go, I mean, when you started out, things were different, I'm sure than they are now yes. in terms of the ecosystem. So yep. try to transpose where you were when you were first starting out and the publishing world today, what would be some best practices you could tell someone to do to get themselves out there? Yeah, there were things that worked really well, you know, back in the in yeah. the you know, late 90s and early 2000s mm -hmm. that, that are irrelevant today. Right. Um, but so it, it is a little bit different for nonfiction and fiction. For yeah. example, something that I think really works well with with nonfiction. We'll talk about mm -hmm. that for a minute. Um, that's, that's been the majority of what I've done. You know, when you do the kind of campaign where you make a pre-order offer, yeah. Um, let's say you're writing a book about, you know, how to be a public speaker. Mm -hmm. And so you, you get, have the book ready and then you, you have a special pre-order special where yeah. if they pre-order the book through your website, then they mm -hmm. also get these three things or these five right. things. One of them might be, uh, you know, pieces of the book that you left out, you didn't put in deleted scenes, so, so to speak. Yeah. They might get a special conference call with you about how to be mm -hmm. a public speaker. They might get special videos. From you. Find things that would be of genuine value to the people who are interested in reading yeah. your book, offer those as a premium and try to cultivate that, that, that cadre of early readers, yeah. not only because you want big sales numbers in your first week out of the gate, that's important, yeah. but also because you want early readers who are your, your walking megaphones, who are out there in the world saying to people, mm -hmm. you got to read this book. 
Right. So I like to give away the book before publishing, if possible. I like to get like 50, 100 people, get a free pre, mm -hmm. pre-release advanced copy of the book. It could be digital, it could be PDF, it could sure. be whatever it is. Um, that That is a, a huge strategy. I don't think it's such a big strategy for fiction. Uh, we tried it with Steel Fear. And the stuff that yeah. works really well with my nonfiction books didn't work so well with Steel Fear. Is it because it's longer? Is it more takes more time to digest the, the fiction books? No, it's because audience? no, I because I think the nonfiction readers are looking to your book to kind of learn how to do something or learn yeah. how to understand something. Right. The fiction readers aren't looking for that. They're looking for right. for just an, an unbelievably gri gripping story. Right. And so, right. yeah, you can give them behind the scenes stuff. We gave them deleted chapters in Steel Fear that you yeah. know that weren't actually in the book, and I thought they were pretty cool. People didn't care that much. They wanted to get to read the book. Yeah. So in any case, so, so there are things that work differently in nonfiction and fiction. But right. the bottom line is the number one strategy. You know, it used to be you could spend a whole bunch of dollars on a publicist and that would be effective. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes it was effective. Often sometimes it, wasn't. it worked. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, mostly it didn't. But, but sometimes it did. Now I, I, it hardly works at all. The number one strategy for creating a readership for your for your book mm -hmm. is developing that core of devoted readers it could yep. be 50 people it could be 100 people, whatever how it doesn't matter how small it is right here the quality matters it, you develop an, an audience of people who are ready for your book who are anticipating your book who are already telling their friends and neighbors and family about your book because they love what you do and you can do that by you know through by developing a blog by developing a podcast whatever mm -hmm. you do to, to get your message out there or get examples of what you do out there develop that before the book's out develop that mailing list and you right. know even yeah. in this day of social media the email list is still valuable. I'm discouraged when I send out an email and I see how many people don't open it. Even don't look so, at those numbers. Don't look at I those know, numbers. I know. Even so, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it because that that email list is gold. Every every published writer who knows anything about what he or she is doing will tell you that, that right. your email right. list is, is your golden egg, golden it's golden goose. The it, that is unchanged. If you think about yeah. any other industry, right? If whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or Apple. I mean, they yeah. all build their audience uh, out of providing value naturally, but also it's that evangelist community aspect, man. This is, I'm, I'm a, I'm an Apple guy, you know, this is what yeah. I have, you know, this is what I yeah. like. I'm not going to look at, you know, MS DOS or whatever. I think it was Apple who really brought the term evangelist into the industry. Yeah, it might have, might right? have been, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Apple evangelist. I'm still, I'm still a Mac evangelist. Yeah, I, yeah, me too. Like I saw, I saw a hilarious meme years ago that I, I can't, uh, it's, I'll have to describe it. It's two pictures. One guy, um, it says, um, <laughs> Windows people love their computer. This guy got hugging his computer and it had an Apple book. And it's this guy humping his <laughs> Macintosh. Like, but Apple, yeah. Apple users make love to their computer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good much differentiator. it. Yeah, yeah. It's... Pretty much it. I got my first Mac in 1986. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was wow. Mac Plus, 512K, yeah, man. I got the 2SI was my first one, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah I had one of those. Later. Yeah. A little yeah. bigger, a little bigger. Lugged yeah, it still is. Hey. My, my phone is 10 times or 100 times faster. It's crazy <laughs> how, how fast things yeah. go. Building that that core uh, core readership. Audience, is, right? That's that's it. So and cool. we have a bunch of people in our space talking about that. I mean, it's the first thousand readers, the first thousand books. You got to build that audience. Without that, you're just, you know, you're just pissing in the wind. You know? The second thing. Yeah, maybe, you found it. Second thing maybe should come first. Uh, the second thing about how do you get your book out there is it, it has to do with with the book, which yeah. is the concept of the book. You, you before you write your book or before you finish your book, 
you got to make sure that your concept is is golden is mm -hmm. going to ring like a bell that can be heard for 10 miles around yeah uh by title by the cover by the by the one one sentence description by the yep. paragraph on amazon um and it's really easy to ring a false note and have it affect and i'll give you an example of that yeah, steel fear so. steel fear made a big splash when it came out it got fantastic mm -hmm. reviews it, we had some you know amazing people like lee child and brad thor and so forth and you know this yeah. um uh, just uh nominated for a barry award nice. hey time. and stuff like that however um sales of steel fear were hurt in one way by mm -hmm. a slight marketing miscue okay. uh, on all of our parts we all missed it which was steel fear was perceived by the marketplace as a military book a military thriller you got an aircraft carrier you got a helicopter on the open sea steel and fear boom, front, steel yeah. fear, boom it's a military thriller if you look through all the reader comments on amazon you'll see uh -oh. dozens of them people say things like I'm not usually a fan of military, military books, military adventures, but I really enjoyed this one. The truth is, yeah, it's I not know. a military book. No, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's not, it, it's a thriller. It's a flat out thriller. And Cold oh, Fear, the, on Cold Fear the, 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 the sequel that's coming out mm -hmm. now, yeah. um, has got no military, anything. It's got yeah. you know, Finn, the Navy SEALs in it, but it's totally, totally domestic, totally civilian. But what happened was we told the marketplace, this is a military book. So military people, military enthusiasts picked it up and read it, at least some yeah. of them. All of the non-military, just straight thriller, yeah. crime, mystery enthusiasts, probably the majority of them didn't notice it because it didn't, it didn't ring their bell. And they would have loved it if they'd picked it up as these dozens of reviews attest. Oh. So we had a slight false note in the marketing message and that resulted in missing thousands and thousands and thousands of readers wow. who would love the book if they only knew about it, if the message had spoken to them properly. So you got to be really careful wow. what the book's great. concept is and what the message is that you're putting out there. That, that, just dramatic pause now. That's gold. That is number one. Yeah. Yeah. We, at our company, when we, when we, we go through books for, you know, for executive seals, whatnot, and we spend a whole month on doing what we call vet and validate yeah. where we test book covers, we test titles with an audience. We do focus groups. Good we even have you, my, my, my staff goes in and looks at, they go to the, the category of an Amazon, they'll pull a hundred three-star reviews to find out what people are saying. Hey, I like this, but, yeah. well, this is cool, but. So we get data for our clients say, hey. Oh, that's really smart. Hey, I wanna do my mic drop right now for you and say, notice yeah. folks, he doesn't go for one-star reviews. He doesn't go for five-star reviews. He goes for yeah. three-star reviews. That's where the valuable information is. Good, yeah, good right. thinking. That's yeah. really cool. I stole that from somebody else, by the way, to be completely well, a friend of mine. I'm, I'm gonna steal it from whoever you stole it from, from you, because Please I, do. I had never thought of that. And that's brilliant. Well, that's really well, brilliant. Quote me once. And the, the line I use when I'm talking to my clients is, well, we ignore the five-star, we ignore the one-star reviews. That's somebody's just ticked off. Right. And ignore five-star views. That's just somebody's mom. But a yeah. three-star view is constructive criticism. They've actually read it and they've got yeah. something useful to say. Otherwise, they wouldn't that's, bother, right? So it's that's a, awesome. It's, it's valuable. So yeah, that's 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 what we do for our, we do 100% non-fiction stuff. Mm. But um, in the fiction world, man, that's it's it's tough. I had one guy, one gal, who um, I think you'll preach this from because you do both non-fiction and fiction. But she had a. Uh, it's my show. I can say what I want. She had an, yeah. an Amazon store with sold adult toys, right? Yeah. And she was doing about a quarter million a year in this thing, doing bang up business before Amazon said, ah, we're not doing that anymore. I'll pretend you didn't just say a bang up business, but go ahead. And, 
<laughs> they, they just one day said, no, we're not going to let you sell us anymore. And she's done out. Like I can't, I, my business is gone. Uh, and she calls it, want to do a book. Uh, you do an erotic novel. They'll sell like hotcakes. Go ahead, do it. Yeah, they're hard to make money. I'm like, yeah, but why don't we do this? Since you've got this inventory of stuff, you got these great ideas and stories. Why not do like sponsored links inside your book and describe the blah, 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 blah. And then, by the way, that's a hyperlink to your, your now your private store. Mm -hmm. So it's entertainment content toys. I don't know what you're sure. Called, yeah, I like that. Product placement. You know, it's instead of being a brand that you actually have a link. So it was my idea to help her out. I don't know if she did or not, but I thought it was fun. I'm going to pretend you just didn't say product placement. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> You, could, yeah. you know, that, that's yeah, another yeah. thing you can do. You can turn any phrase into something naughty if you if you just say it in a certain way. It's a any skill. phrase. That's right. Like my that's right. my I had one friend say, Yeah, try to make this phrase uh a naughty. Um uh I'll rotate rotate your tires. And he said, I'll rotate your tires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the surgeon it's on the matter of how you say things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So back on track for our our uh, our no no one's no kids are watching this. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I love that. Make sure you're hit, you're targeting your audience precisely. And that you said that was your first your first thriller mystery. That book, Steel Fear, yeah. was your first one. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. First one. And and then what can you tell us about the potential for the? Um, I know you mentioned last time we spoke about a potential movie option, maybe. Yeah, it's actually it's, it's you know talking. there's a phrase they have in Hollywood <coughs> called in development. Yeah. And what in development means is you know you think about it this way. When you want to write a book and you you start <coughs> excuse me, start to do the dance with publishers, yeah, you might be talking to a couple of publishers, right? Right. But basically, <clears throat> they're talking about publishing your book. Who's involved? The writer. You write the book, they have a marketing department, they market it. Okay, fine. Yeah. When you talk about making a TV show, which is what we're talking about, yeah. You're not you're not talking about making a show, you're talking about starting a whole new business. If right. you if you put on you know Breaking Bad or you put on uh, you know whatever the TV show is, yeah, it isn't just the production of a show. No, it's the building of an entire new, entire new business because yep. you have hundreds and hundreds of people yep. on payroll, yep. millions of dollars in in in, uh, in investment going on. So right, so that's I think that's the reason that it takes so long and is such an arduous path. You yep. turn something as simple as a book into something as complex yeah. as a team. That's what we're in right now. We're in development. So, in development. yeah. So, so uh, the Steel Fear of the Finn series, called the Finn X series, is in development as a streaming TV series. I can't say well, with whom yet, but you know, as soon as I can, as soon as I can say it, I will. As soon as you can say it, you'll, you'll let us know when it's going to, you know, it's um, in, in production versus out of development into production, right? As soon as it goes from in development to in pre-production. Pre-production, excuse me. Yeah. Then, then, then uh, well, even then, yeah. That's, you know, like, they the do, do they? Do they give you any idea of what they're going to do? How many episodes they would do if they if they go that far? They yeah, don't know, out? don't know. Okay, this time yeah. it's all it's all in development. That's right. Yeah, I, no, I have some friends in the industry, and I know some of the jargon. It's not not easy to do, but um, no, it's murderous. But I, I think it's worthy to note, and this is back on based on our previous conversation that that was your original intention was to be a, a Hollywood guy, a screenwriter, right? It was. Yeah. In fact, when Bob Berg approached me about writing The Go Giver. Mm -hmm. That's right. I was actually, that was my deal. That was what I was spending my, as much as my full time as I could in my spare time uh -huh. is becoming an, I wanted to become an A-list Hollywood screenwriter. That was my yeah. plan. And uh, it got totally derailed by this book thing, <laughs> which seems to have worked out um, in my favor. But yeah, that's, yeah, I had my, I had my eyes set on that. I'm so bringing what, it up because it's coming full circle, my hey, friend. Hey, Brandon and I had 
conceived of this this uh, as a as a series, either a a, a streaming TV series, which mm-hmm. in which every season is a book, or every book becomes a season, sure. yeah. or a series of of feature films, every book becoming one of the films. Um, right. So yeah, next the next Jason Bourne, that's the plan. That's right. Yes. Although I don't know. I mean. Jason Bourne is more likable than Finn. Finn is, I mean, he doesn't say much in the first book. He's pretty quiet. Yeah, uh, second book, interesting. So yeah. the, the first book, you know, you probably remember my saying that Steel Fear is a, is a leadership parable described, disguised as a crime novel. Okay. In some True. ways, Steel Fear is really about leadership, leadership, yeah. good, bad, and the ugly. Um, Cold Fear is about friendship. Okay. About friendship and betrayal. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not far enough into it. I, I haven't yeah. finished it yet, but I'll finish it up this next week so, or so. Uh, it's very, it's a very personal book to to okay. Finn, um, and yeah. it has a lot to do with you know him looking for not only the missing pieces in his past, but the missing pieces in himself. Uh, good. And that's this is a journey that's going to go well beyond the confines of two books. It may take us, you know, five, six, good, seven books good, because I felt bad for him the first one. You know, I felt. I mean, I, he did, you know. He was a. He had a. He had a tough row there. And yeah, it's it's tough. I'm not gonna tell anymore. But yeah, it's it's a great book, great series. Obviously coming out, so I'll finish up the second one, and I'll buy the pre-sale on the third one when it's when it's ready. When will that be ready? Third one will probably come out. It doesn't have a defined pub date yeah. now, but probably around this. This this one, Cold Fear, comes out June seven. Okay. The next one will will probably come out a year okay. later in June, okay. first week of June, second week of June. Great, 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 and. And then you've got and you and your you and your wife just came out with Goalgiver Marriage, which my fiance both have copies of. We haven't finished yet, but when we get finished yeah. it, we'll have pictures of us reading it for you guys. You How's that doing? It's doing really, really well. I had I've, we've had I think we've had a more. I was mentioning to this to you before you pressed before you pressed yeah. record that we just passed the hundred mark in terms of hundred podcasts and interviews around wow. Goalgiver Marriage. So we've been really, yeah. really, 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 really busy with that. Nice. I think we've had a more enthusiastic outpouring of support and engagement from our community of friends and colleagues and associates and yeah. so on around the go-giver marriage than any book I've ever seen. It's been phenomenal. Wow. We had such a beautiful, huge reception yeah. uh, among women. So it's it's doing great. That's great. Good to hear it. Um, any last words of advice for our budding authors and entrepreneurs out there, Mr. Mann? Yeah, t- totally. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's the thing of your message and what you want to say and your ideas and coming up yeah. with stuff. And I think it's really important to go into it with an understanding that when you first put something, especially about writing a book, something as, as substantial as that, when you per, first put stuff on paper, don't worry about whether it's any good or not, because it won't be. I promise you, it won't be that great. It won't be as good as you think, and you might not even think it's that good. That's okay. As long as you're true to yourself, true yeah. to your idea, true to your intention, and just start getting it on paper, then you come back to it later. Whether it's a day later or a week later or a month later, you come back to it and take your ideas, the raw ore, and start to refine it into polished steel. They're two totally different skill sets, generating content and refining the content to make it really good. I love the refining part. That's where you can get better and better and better, but you can learn these skills so that you can Mm -hmm. take something that's, that's kind of mediocre on the page and you can make it sing. Right. You, you, this is a totally different skill set, your imagination, your intention. So don't try to do them both at once. Give them each their separate time. I've heard that advice over and over again. People edit as they write. And I say it's going to yeah. take you forever and it'll never come out. So just data dump, 
and come back to it and keep massaging it, polishing yep. it. You're absolutely spot on yep. with that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to do with deadlines, but you can set your own proper deadlines, I think, or hire a good editor, developmental editor also helps. Yeah, right? yes. Need it. Steel Fear wouldn't exist without that story consultant that I first hired. I spent yeah. 1200 bucks out of my pocket before we even went to an agent wow. to say, can you help me make this manuscript better? And she helped yeah. enormously. So yes, professional help. Oh, for writers is, is a very, very, very useful thing. I wouldn't be here without it. Terrific. John, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, folks, this is John David Mann, best-selling author of Steel Fear and now Cold Fear is coming out. Make sure you get a copy. It'll be available on June 7th. Hold that book up one more time. There you go, right in front of your, there we go. Very good. Thank you very much. Ooh. Appreciate you. And folks, don't forget uh, to subscribe. There's some show notes here for you to, to get and some goodies for us. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much. We'll see you later.